Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Peace, and thank you so much for joining us today. On today's episode, we have the great Carly Miller and Sonora Leaf from Eagle and Child's Productions. They're here to talk to us about Rogue, the Western. Very interesting film. I haven't had a chance to watch it. I did want to see it when it was premiering out here in L.A., but, you know, the, the pandemic and all. I usually don't like to date our episodes, but uh, <laughs> you cannot avoid a global pandemic. So please give them a, a big welcome when they, when they come on the show very soon. I can see that they're online, ready for us to, to interview. How have all of you been doing? Well, I don't get sponsored by Blog Talk Radio. I don't. I've been with them for a very long time, but I do want to send out a special thank you to them. I think I got cut off last time on our first episode back. But they really went through the... I mean, I really ringed them about getting my show back up, about you know, my discount price, and, you know, the, the fact that there was just a lot of technical issues. And they really, they really came to bat. Now, one of the reasons why I like Blog Talk is because I'm able to have an all-in-one blogging experience or a, you know a show experience where I have my own station that immediately goes to iTunes and there's a, a network here that I can play with music I can have live broadcasts and what have you so it's, I, I haven't found one single application in the world or in the country that is like this I just haven't it's an all-in-one package. So, I, you know, I recommend to you guys to uh, to check it out. Uh, see, I'm more like PBS, where you know, I use my own money, like a school year teacher. Or, you know, I do a GoFundMe. And I'm not saying anybody gives me any money. Shout out to Sean Piccinino. Thank you so much. He always gives. But it's difficult, but fun and fulfilling. I, I love giving a platform to other people. I love talking to people. And during a, a global pandemic, when you, when conversations are short in supply, now this is a, a gift from God or Allah or Buddha or whatever you believe. I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife last night. How did you like that transition? Was that nice? I I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife last night. Uh, Unfortunately, I saw it on my little TV over here, but I loved that film. I don't know why people were kind of strange about it. They're like, you know, this movie's like fan service, but I like fan service. I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoyed the film a great deal. It was a short and sweet film on feet. I mean, I, 
it, it wasn't the first film. It was. It just wasn't. But it was. It was good. It was very good. And uh, if I wasn't surrounded by my cats, I definitely would have been a little bit more emotional. <laughs> but it was a great film. I really, really enjoyed it. I recommend you all get it as well. I believe it's on. You can rent it on on iTunes or you know Amazon Prime and those kind of places. I'm not going to tell you where I I got mine because I don't want to promote any particular service. But but I will I will give you one service that I'm really enjoying, which is Disney Plus. Now I remember as a kid kid when I when I got to Disney Disney Channel and my mom got it for us. It was just garbage. Absolute garbage.、Um, but now that you have like the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, and it is really a、uh, prize package. So I definitely recommend that you、uh, you go out there and, and, and grab it. Plus all the Marvel films. I mean, come on, man. And then you have all the Pixar films. It's, it's really. Then you have all the Miyazaki films, like. Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke or Mononoke Heim for all of you who know out there, it's really wonderful. So, you don't come on the show to listen to me jibber jabber. You come on the show to listen to our our guests. So let's bring them on. Let's stop our music right here and give them a little clapping interview right here. Hello, Carly and Sonora. How are you guys doing? We're great. Well, you broke up right there, so it was alien, alien talk. Oh, sorry, is he here right now? <laughs> I, I think we're doing a sprint commercial right now. I can hear you now. Oh, okay. Is that any better? You guys, oh, that's fantastic. How are, you, how are you guys doing? We're pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I mean, we haven't spoken in, in, in a, a little bit of time. Yeah, it's been a lifetime. I think we've all been going through that experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a global pandemic. We had,、uh, you know, Black Lives Matters. We had we we had an insurrection.、Uh, so, like, you know, we can definitely date, you know, how long it's been since we've talked to each other.、Um, but you have a new you have a new film out. But before you know, we get into that, like, we met each other at the Sholo Film Festival in, in Arizona when you did your your other film. Um, which was fantastic,、uh, which is a、uh, service road.、Um, Thank you. And I really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, really enjoyed that. Thank、yeah. you. We appreciate that. Yeah, we、uh, we loved screening that in front of live audiences at the Shola Film Festival and the Idlewild Film Festival. It was great for us. Yeah, and we got to meet you. So yeah, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing I was thinking about last night before I went to bed was. You had some really strange questions that I that I really didn't, and, and I want to get into your next film and ask you the same exact thing, but we'll get to that soon. But you had some really strange misogynistic questions、uh, during that filming that we talked about last interview.、Um, oh yeah, that was that was that was a strange experience for me. I'll be honest with you. Yeah,、um, you know it's it's interesting. I feel like you you read about. Situations like that, and people going into interviews or into screenings, and but you never actually experience it. So when you do,、right. I I think we were both kind of、um, 
kind of stunned. Like, what do we do with this? Rogue. Like, we've had far less people who were um, kind of prickly with us. <laughs> oh, so you're, you're implying you have had people prickly towards you. Just with, I think it was more so with Service Road. With Rogue, it's been, the audience response has been really great, yeah. I would say. Right. Absolutely. Right. Well, I, I think the, the subject is way touchier than Service Road. And I, I would imagine that people would be a little more um, conservative about how they would mm-hmm. objectify. And, and the world has changed, I mean, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I, I would think that people are a little more careful about how they objectify to creators. I would hope so. I mean, I just think that should be a rule across the board, no matter what industry you're in. And I do right. appreciate that you seem to changing over time and I think there's been more awareness brought to that issue over the last couple of years especially Mm -hmm. with people being so glued to media I think that it's brought some really good awareness right Mm -hmm. you know uh, when I was younger than I am right now uh, I remember asking somebody if they had an Instagram and she looked at me right in the face she goes what what would I look like I'm 13 years old (laughs) and and I I started laughing and I'm like what and then, uh, you know, Instagram became the past, and everybody has an Instagram now. And then it became TikTok. And then I asked people, hey, do you have a TikTok? And they're like, what do I look like? I'm 13 years old? <laughs> and I'm like, like, seriously? You know, I go on the TikTok, and I see, you know, movie reviews and cat videos. And it's like, it's like the old YouTube. And mukbang, like, yeah, I watch people eating food or talking about their greatest restaurants. But it's interesting how, you know, social media changes and how to how to approach your audience changes have you approached your audiences different throughout these experiences or or have you been kind of like sticking to your guns um you know it's interesting because at the moment we're still in the festival stages with rogue so we can't post like clips of it or you know copies of it online anywhere but what we like to do is keep up our uh, our instagram account and a lot of people direct message us there, and it's been a really supportive community. We haven't quite uh, launched into the, to the TikTok space yet, but I think we will pretty <laughs> soon because it is, like you said, it is like the new thing and the big thing of the moment. So, right, but yeah, right. we have a pretty social media presence uh, with Rogue. Well, you know, what I love about you two, and, you know, I was thinking about this last night, is, you know, what, what, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And when you two say you're going to do something, you do it. You said you're going to do this film, the last conversation we had, and a global pandemic hit us literally in the face. And you still made the film. (laughs) (laughs) You you still made the film, and you still released it through, uh, you know, different means and during a a pandemic. And that's pretty pretty incredible feat. What what gives you that drive to, to be that person? Or people. Honestly, I think we just, we love it so much. I mean, we have stories we want to tell, we have characters we want to write, but I think that's, you know, at the core of it, we just, we love making films. And we have such a great team of people that we enjoy working with. So for us, it, it just made a lot of sense. I would say that shooting a film during COVID, it was, it was challenging. You know, we had to get everyone tested. We had to really strictly adhere to protocols on set. But everyone on our team was so supportive and they just like went along with the process and yeah, it honestly, it worked out great for us. <laughs> you know, it was, right. um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's just a tribute to our team. Yeah, right. completely agree. Well, you know, I, I, I would say to Sonora, you know, first of all, get an IMDb page, please. You have one because you're, 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 <laughs> your contacts bring me immediately to Rogue the Western. And I'm like, and I try to type your name in a thousand times. And I'm like, am I, am I, am I typing it in wrong? Like, what's going on here? Oh, no, if you, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on there. Just search Sonora Rowan, R-O-W-A-N. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's very, that's very, you couldn't get any more Irish if you, if you put like St. Patrick. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Sonora, you I'm know, again, to... go ahead. <laughs> what are you going to say? <laughs> I said I would break into the accent, but I don't want that recorded. <laughs> I know, I know. I didn't come off a, a little odd, uh, but Sonora's like a, you know, it's a, you know, or Rowan is is a, a very, very Irish name, and I'm I'm not even pronouncing it the way they would pronounce it, so I'm just gonna keep it there. But uh, Sonora, again, you're 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 the producer on this film, but you're also the set director uh, of this film as well. And and for all of you out there who you know don't understand set direction or set production. Um, it's, it's that idiot who put out a Starbucks cup in, in the middle of, of a game of Thrones. That's, that's a set director's problem and fault. So <laughs> let's screw it up. That, right? You know what I'm saying? So like, that's, that's how important that person is. So what was it like producing before we get into the, description and, and what the film's all about. How was it like producing this film during a global pandemic? Because as producer, you are responsible for a, a lot of what's going on. That's, that's a really great question. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do it alone. And I didn't. I worked with Carly and Amanda Chang and Shauna Thompson and Brianna Winterbauer and we have this really fantastic group of women who came together, and um, it was always good discussions, and we always had a plan going through. Um, right. I would say one of our huge challenges, we wanted to go into production in 2020, and we had a meeting the week that California decided to shut down. <laughs> um, right. We got through our we were like, great, we're so jazzed, we're ready to go. And then three days later, we were like, just kidding. <laughs> um, so we ended up delaying production for an entire year, and it was honestly a blessing in disguise. At the time, we didn't see it that way, but looking back, it honestly really benefited us to have that extra time to put in the detail that really comes across on screen. Mm-hmm. And right. going into production, we've shot movies in the desert before, and we know that the pre-production phase is so important. So having that extra time really made things a lot more um, secure in a way like we felt like we knew what some of the challenges were going to be obviously you know right. you always get surprised but yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know, when you were one year later when you were producing the film and you were watching the activity around you you were going through protocols and what have you and all these other major major films are in production like mission impossible like what five and they had Two uh, two problems with coronavirus on there. Were you at any time? And I can answer this question for you, actually, in my brain. But were you at any time nervous or a little frightened that uh, 
like something that would hit your crew? Absolutely, yes. yes. We were, um, <laughs> but we were also we were we had the benefit of having a very short production. Um, so you know, we only had three to four days of official shooting. But also that we had everyone get tested and we had enough time to get the results back in time. And so while there was kind of the abstract fear, it never turned into a concrete fear because uh, everyone turned up negative and was very uh, followed protocols very closely. So, you know, right. it ended up, like we said, working out very well and everyone just pulled together. I, I do believe one of my favorite emails that went around was from one of our producers, Amanda. She, um, the week leading up to production for our first, weekend of filming she um was reminding everyone to um we we asked everyone to take a, a class and like a course to um certify that we knew what we were getting ourselves into and also just to be conscientious of the rest of our cast and crew um but she was reminding everyone go and get tested and get your results to me i need to have those <laughs> and then she sent right. out a email with um recommendations for she goes try to social distance in the days leading up to being on set um for the courtesy of others and here's some recommendations for shows you can watch on netflix while you socially distance <laughs> <laughs> that was a really great email i think i watched <laughs> you know i don't think i've watched as many digital services as i have last what two and a half to three years that I have, oh, well, the two, two and a half, three years. I think I've watched every single, not that I haven't before, but I've seen, I think I've seen every single good film, every single mediocre, mediocre film, and every single garbage film on the planet Earth so far. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yep. You know, before we, before we get, now that we're on that subject, you know, what, is, what is your favorite garbage film you've seen during the pandemic? Your favorite just <laughs> film that's like, you know what, this is just like cheesecake at three o'clock in the morning while I'm a little depressed. Like what's, what's that film for you? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> usually for me, it's like a TV show rather than a film, just kind of a show I put on that I sort of love to hate and hate to love. <laughs> oh, really? What's, what's that? Name names for fear of upsetting anyone, but let's just say Netflix is a treasure trove for the shows. <laughs> <laughs> of those shows, right? And Curly, yeah. how about you? You know, what, what, which do you have a show, or do you, or do you have a show that that's just a go-to? You know, like for background noise or white noise for you. Me? You mean just like kind Car of the Carly. thing in the back? Yeah, you yeah, know, like uh, you know, you just want some white noise and something you just watch, <laughs> just out of habit. Uh, I like shows like Parks and Rec just because I know it so well, and I can kind of oh, just cool. have that comfort. Room. But another one I really like is The West Wing. Um, I, I got really into The West Wing over over the pandemic, and there's kind of stuff that I just love dialogue. So to right. me, I can listen to that. You know, when when he confronts that that you know semi psychiatrist podcaster or news broadcaster about her homophobic uh, comments, that that is really my favorite moment about the entire West Wing. You know, that was, that was just, do you, do you know that scene? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't think I re recall that specific scene. Does that come a little bit later in the show? Like more towards the end of the, the season? Yeah, it's towards, it's towards the end of his first presidential run. If, if you, if you, uh, want, if you just type it into YouTube, it's really brilliant. She says some, he, he she says some really homophobic it, things. On, on her. The writing on that show is just excellent. Um, it's just brilliant. It's, it's I mean, he, 
point at this point, but still so relevant in some ways. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's what I love Is about it? some of these shows. They, they really stand up to the test of time. I agree. Totally agree. Now, before I want to get into the into the specifics about this film, but what, you have so many women on this film. It's like really women power on this film here. Was that was that a a purposeful thing? Was that just happenstance, or tell me? Um, no. Well, you know what? It really wasn't. It came about naturally because of the the friend group that we have and just the people we know. So none of it was, it was all organic, if I may say so. Um, and we did have a moment where we looked around and realized, wow, there's a lot of women working on this movie. And, and a lot of women in the, in the, on the production side are, are basically our entire producing team was women. So, but to answer your question, it wasn't like we went out and sought that out. It just, it just happened naturally. And um, yeah, our crew, our crew was, was pretty even, you know, between men and women just on the various departments, but that the leadership was all women, I think, is something special, and I think it shows in the, in the film. Right, right. You know, I've, I've worked in, in casting for, for many, many years at Ocean Park and On Your Mark and Jody Soddenberg and some, some really great studios. And, you know, a, a lot of people think it's very macho, but when you go to the background or, you know, I remember I used the, the restroom. <laughs> And all the owners are women. They're all women. And it, it's, it's, it's quite frightening because these women are very much like, you know, it reminds you of like entourage because these women are, are very tough. And, um, you know, I, I, I never worried because you fire me. I mean, I would just work at Great Western or something. I was just, I was, I was just working at Bang. I really don't care. But you know, it was really great to see. <laughs> I don't care. It was re- really great to see women empowerment and, and like, wow, it's like if people saw and knew this, first of all, there's a, a, like a brand of empathy and compassion that I don't think you would get from men. I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, mm-hmm. but I think it's easy to say as a man myself, I think I saw a lot of empathy and compassion that otherwise I would not see. Do, do, you, do you feel like that's an ingredient or an element that's part of having a female production? Uh, you know, kind of. It's also just about the individual people that we choose to work with. I would say that, yes, right. that, you know, as women, we're all very communicative and very collaborative in how we talk to each other. But I think that's also something we seek out in our male collaborators as well. It's just kind of like a good person thing, I would say, at the end of the day. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, I, well, I saw your, your – I want to talk about Rogue now. Because I, I saw you guys having a a, um, a premiere out here, I believe in North Hollywood or something like that, and I really wanted to go to it, but I was genuinely scared. I'm like, yeah, I don't, you know, first of all, I, I don't want to be in a group right now, and but I did see it. I did see that you had had it out there. Please tell us, uh, you know, like, you know, as much as you want to tell us about the film. Sure. Um, so what our, our film is about, it's set in the 1870s um, in the New Mexico Territory, and it's about an African-American saloon girl who's kind of stuck working in, in this backwater town uh, for her uncle. And um, she wants more than anything to move to California, to San Francisco, but she has, is having trouble saving up enough money to do that. So she kind of comes up with a plan to get her hands on some money right when her Old Flame rides into town, this outlaw named William Wyatt, and he kind of throws a wrench in her plans just a little bit. And uh, she has to kind of deal with what happens after that. So it's a, 
what it is a proof of concept for a feature film. So um, it's about an 18-minute short, and it sets the stage for the characters and the larger story that we want to tell with the feature. Uh, and you're right, we did have our premiere at the North Hollywood Film Festival back in October, which we loved. It was a, a great, great festival. Over 150 great. people came to our screening block, and just, like, it was really thrilling to screen in front of a live audience. Um, 150 so yeah, people? Yeah. That's yeah. gigantic. It was, it, was, it was a pretty large theater, and I also think it was really thrilling to be able to screen in Los Angeles, being that... It was like what a five-minute drive for us. Yeah. Five-minute drive for that was adulation. You can't even get that on a date. I'm telling you. I know. I'm <laughs> telling you, it was so great. I was like, this is kind of fantastic. And also, it rained that evening, and I just felt like it was magical. I was like, the Hollywood gods—they're smiling upon us. <laughs> they're, they're 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 cleansing the earth in front of our faces. <laughs> And still to, you know, you know how it is with, you know, Southern California in the rain. And we had all that insane weather that day, the thunderstorms, right. and still having that out for people who wanted to come to the movies and um, the art film and so many other great ones was like, it was just fantastic. It was a really wonderful um, kickoff for our festival run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, that's excellent to hear. You know, from all of our audiences that are listening right now, and we have people across the world, and yeah, I do check uh, who is watching, and it gives us a, a diagram of the entire world. And people from Chile or Chile, from Turkey to Russia to Japan to New Zealand uh, to Alaska to Canada to, you know, Spain, a lot of countries that do not speak English, Japan. Uh, well, I'm, I'm talking about like a majority of people. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's in, you know, Californians or people from LA, they don't they don't really know how to drive that well. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, 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 where, where you were going with this, and to have that be the main point is just uh, easy. Uh, yeah. Chest <laughs> Well, thank you all for listening. <laughs> that's that's first off. Thank you all for being here because that's that's really shocking to me that any of you would want to hear my voice. But <laughs> because uh, you know, if, if I heard my voice on an answer machine, I think I would punt kick that answering machine. Uh, <laughs> it is the worst thing ever. It's like, oh, oh my God, my voice is the worst thing. No wonder women break up with me. Um, but <laughs> but but people in LA, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them are imports. A lot of them are from like New Jersey, Oklahoma, Missouri, uh, Kansas, in in Iowa, Utah, what have you. And like we're a mix of of nomadic human beings. But when rain hits, it is like buff. It's, it's like buffalo. At its at its most snowy, like everybody stays in and they they order food and they watch their favorite show because they're so scared to go out there and drive. It's it's the creepiest thing. And there's traffic everywhere because they want to watch the accident on the other lane, on the other side of the freeway. Oh, yeah. The it's it's like what is going on here? Um, uh, but <laughs> but to put, put put the point in there to to have all of these people come out there and watch your 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 film. During that, what I just described, that is that is pretty incredible. It, it was. We were we were just overjoyed that that many people came out. Like you said, they they braved the elements 
<laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> they, they, they braved the elements. They went yeah. through a snowstorm, and then after that, a sandstorm, and then the earth fell down, and they still made it. Californians are so brave. I tell you what, we are the bravest sort. And honestly, if you were to say all those things happened, I'd be like, it happened in L.A.? Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, people always, you know, I, I, there was this this, um, this photograph that's this roaming around where people are like, that's California, where there's a gigantic snow cap right behind um, oh, uh, downtown yeah. L.A. Did you see that? And people are like, is that fake? It's like, Every closer year or so, it, there, it snows on those low-lying mountains, and L.A. looks right. like so beautiful, and, and then it disappears. <laughs> right. <laughs> Either the sun melts it or the fog moves in, and you're like, mm, anyways. <laughs> well, I, I just don't think a, a lot of people realize how wonderful California is. You know, they always talk about L.A. or Hollywood. Like, who who goes to Hollywood, really? Um, nobody. <laughs> Yeah, and nobody goes <laughs> – I mean, if you want your favorite tacos, you go to Hollywood. But, you know, give me a break. Uh, but we have San Francisco. We have San Diego. It's a gigantic state um, and rich, might I add. It's very rich. It's the 10th richest country if you were to secede in the entire world. It's, it's a really incredible state. Um, that being in mind, are, are you trying to hit all those cities while, while, you're, while you're, you know, pushing this film or are there other states as well that you're you're trying to get into those festivals that's a good question we um our festival strategy does involve smaller regional festivals and um we do like to stay local when we can but we also are interested in going to uh places like arizona or maybe nevada for some some of their film festivals i think it is kind of a southwestern type of movie and so hitting those Southwestern festivals makes a lot of sense for us, as well as, you know, we're trying to potentially look at some locations where we could shoot the feature. So um, right. our upcoming festivals are in, uh, one of them is in Chandler, Arizona, and that's in a couple weeks. Okay. And then we have uh, the Idlewild Film Festival and then the Oceanside Film Festival. And we're particularly excited about Oceanside because we filmed a lot of the movie in Oceanside and about, you know, half of our crew comes from there. So, um, oh, really? yeah, we're, yeah, it was um, – our crew and cast was pretty split between, between uh, Oceanside and Los Angeles. So, yeah. So you're going to your, get your Ghostbuster fan service moment right over there. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I, I think that would be – it's going to be really fun. We've never been to Oceanside, uh, the film festival there, so we don't know yeah. what to expect, but we've decided to go. Oh, yeah. We're, 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 you know, I am ignorant to this. Where, where is Oceanside? It's a wonderful question. Um, so Oceanside <laughs> right off the five before you. Um, it's right past Camp Pendleton. And Are you talking about Oceanside, right California? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, I know exactly where that is. I thought you were talking about like Ocean. Because when I looked at the, the film and the pictures, it looks like it literally looks like, like Montana. Oh, oh! Thank you so much. <laughs> we, we shot the interior saloon scenes, interestingly, um, at a church in Oceanside. So okay. some of our interior movie. I know, and and it's a credit to Sonora and Bree, our production design team, for converting an old church. See how important they are. <laughs> I, I I prayed to the Lord for forgiveness. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was. 
we, the irony was not lost on us but that we were <laughs> doing that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Oh, we a lot. Uh, we, we filmed a lot also in 29 Palms. A lot of our exteriors are yeah. in the California oh, nice. desert. Wow. Yeah, I would I would never have thought that. And uh, Oceanside is it, it, that doesn't come to mind. Where like that's just gigantic filming area. Oh yes, it, it's just fraught with <laughs> with filmmakers. No, it's, it's, it's not too far from LA. So in some ways, San Diego and, and North County, San Diego is like this hidden gem because uh, it has a lot of great locations and just this is underutilized as compared to Los Angeles. But we definitely right. made the most of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so how, how far across the state or how far across the country do you want to reach people with, with this with this film? I mean, obviously, you want you want to hit every every single person yeah. in the world. But it is do you have plans <laughs> Um, it's a tough balance because it, we want to screen at festivals everywhere. And in some cases, we are uh, submitting to festivals all around the country and some around the world. And, but it's not always, we're not always sure if we'll be able to go in person is the thing, just because it is so much time and resources to get out to those festivals. Right. But we are submitting, we definitely are submitting around the country. And like I said, a few that are in like the UK and, and France and things like that, because Ooh. yeah, our goal is to raise the profile of the film as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, before we before we continue on, we we were mentioning the cast, the film, and and um, you know, I want to talk about the main lead of the film, but I do want to talk about William Wallet or Nicholas Nicholas uh, Jarnot, right? Jarnett. Uh, that guy's a looker. <laughs> that guy's a looker. Like if you wanted to, if you wanted to have anybody be the love interest, uh, this guy's the love interest. Yeah, he's. Uh, we love Nick. Um, I actually worked with him on one of my first short films after college many years ago, and he was he played the villain, and he was so great. And uh, it was kind of a no-brainer to reach out to him to play our character, William Wyatt, because like you said, he, he's a very striking presence on camera um, and had such chemistry with our lead actress, Oyamin Hickaman. Um, we actually had Oyamin come in and audition with Nick, and again, their chemistry was apparent from their first read-through together, and it just it was right. very easy to cast with them. Well, I see the picture with his like five o'clock shadow and his blue eyes just poking out, and I mean, I immediately hate his guts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, how dare you be this good looking? How dare you be this handsome? Uh, I'm I'm immediately insulted. <laughs> oh, good. So really coming across the parent. I like I like that you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it was like I remember. You know, I grew up with uh, you know Justin Timberlake, and you know, we as guys, we we hated his guts. Like, like your music's so lame. You're so lame. Your old band's so lame. And then you realize later on, it's like, oh, I was so jealous. <laughs> I, was, I was so jealous. <laughs> like you're so handsome and skilled and talented and sweet. Gosh, why can't why can't why can't I have a little bit of what you have? Just a, just like 2%. That'd be really nice. Well, Nick is quite unassuming in the fact, too, that he has this wonderful um, kind of Southwestern accent for this movie. But he's actually British. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to add that to another, to your list. Oh, my God. So he has the accent <laughs> yeah. and everything. Oh, and now I oh, really yeah. hate this guy's guts. 
Yeah, you can be in awe of Nick. You've got this really great accent. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, you can't tell how... in the film. So he does a good job with changing his dialect for the film. Yeah, he's extremely talented mm-hmm. and um, I... plays so well with women. See, I think Americans are very misdirected on who they tell us to go back to their country. So like, this is the kind of guy you say, go back to your country. Like, go back to your country. Like, come on. Like, like we don't need, we don't need this. <laughs> you know, it's like Hugh Jackman. Like, like, we don't need, we don't need this. We don't need these problems. Like, you're so, so good looking, so talented, so skilled. We don't need this. Thank you. There's enough competition. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> so, so please tell me about well, your we're... lead actress. Cause she, go ahead. What are you going to say? Go on, go on. Let's talk about Oya. Yeah. No, no, no. You're, you're, we'll, get, we'll get there. We have plenty of time. So we're going to say some more about, about Jack, of course. <laughs> oh, I was just <laughs> going to say that, yeah, we're really glad that Nick didn't, didn't uh, you know, listen to that advice and go back to the UK. <laughs> no, he's, he's great. No, he's a great, Nick is a, a really great character. And, and, uh, and no, I, I would just, I would, when I looked at his, his picture, I just thought to myself, like, this is now you can see his like soul come out of his eyes. You can definitely see his character into in his face, which is, which shows, you know, a character immediately. So this it was really great casting, really excellent casting. Now, did you work together on casting on the film, or or was it just all you, Carly? Because Carly, you, you you basically did almost everything on this film. Well, that's definitely not true. <laughs> we have. <laughs> well, you have a footprint on every part of this film. I, I oh, think, she does. I think, yeah, I think. Well, it was. I think all of us, all the women on the producing team, wore about three to four hats each. So, casting, if I recall, was me and Sonora and Amanda. I believe were in the audition room, and it was a lot of discussion between the three of us about Nick and Oyaman. Um, we did have a lot of women submit for the role of L, and and a lot of uh, in person and virtual auditions, and. Um, Honestly, yeah, uh, we, we recorded them all on, like, an iPhone and then went back and kind of watched them through <laughs> later. And when we watched Oya and Nick read through together, it was, it was pretty quick. We all came to the same uh, conclusion that right. the two of them would be perfect together. Well, tell me about Oya, man, because she's, she's, she's wonderful. Uh, but but it, it must have been quite complex to, to cast this character because – is a complex character, and uh, as you said, having a attachment to the to the co-star is important. I, or chemistry. Yeah, it, uh, Oyeman is a very um, is a very subtle actress. She's a really good film actress, and it's interesting because she comes from a theater background and studied theater, and and is actually uh, getting her MFA from UCLA right now. But and so, but to me, she not her, her charisma naturally translated so well on camera like the camera just loves her and she's very again you can the actor's eyes and i think both oyaman and nick are so expressive with their eyes and can do so little on camera but convey so much emotion through that so uh yeah she not only just read the character and got the character immediately on an intuitive level but just like i said the camera loves her she's absolutely striking and just a lovely person to work with as well um Loves nice. to collaborate, loves to rehearse. We had some really good Zoom rehearsals with Oyaman and Nick where we talked a lot about the characters' backstories, and it was just a pleasure working with both of them. Nice. As, as mm-hmm. a fellow writer myself, I usually have in mind the kind of faces or characters that I want to see in my production. 
do these do these two people fit that that kind of category for you, or did you have to kind of, or or did did it plain, and then when you saw them, you're like, this is what I had in my mind. I try to be pretty open with casting. I do have a vision in mind when I write something, but I also am very open to what the actors bring to the table. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's I, it's a trick. It's a balance, definitely. Because right. um, your 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 previous film, I mean, looks she looks very much like Jessica Chastain. So, to me, right. it was always very obvious that you you had that kind of look in mind. Uh, but for this film, it, it's kind of hard to quit. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say sort of, I think, again, when Sarah Navratil, who played Georgia in Service Road, I think it was another case of her just coming into the room and nailing the audition so much that it was like a no-brainer. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily had a, a vision in mind of a particular look for casting. It's just that she was so, so wonderful when she came to audition. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you're, you're making this film in, you know, really, honestly, some tumultuous times. Um, and you are having a, a multicultural crew and cast mm-hmm. right here. Did you, did you feel like some of the pressures of like maybe the environment it was brewed in when you were creating this film, like a certain responsibility to, to making these characters mm-hmm. pop? Not necessarily. I think too, the way that Carly has written Rogue, those characters were very true to the time and she did so much research in the culture of the late 1800s. And so she was very aware of um, what was to be expected and what was normal. And we went into this process wanting to tell a good story, not necessarily about anything that's happening currently with current times, but we wanted it to just be something normalized that the people would really appreciate on right. just a, a normal, natural, but also a thought-provoking level, I suppose, yeah. which I think like most good art should do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, for, for all of you out there that are, that are listening, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think I'm spoiling Shakespeare for you, but when you watch, when you watch the play or maybe the film Othello, uh, the, the main character is a Moor, so he, he is black. Well, the entire cast is white and they never address the fact that he is, because I can't say African-American because the Moors are not. Um, I mean, they're a combination of different cultures and what have you, but but it's a very interesting way that Shakespeare approached the subject matter where they never talk about it, it they never address it, and it's just a, a part of, of, of his creation. It, was that the approach you wanted to go towards this film itself, or or did it have some kind of racial overtone that you, that you couldn't avoid? I think um, for me, what in- what inspired the characters and the casting was I wanted to tell, uh, I wanted to write a Western from a perspective that we haven't seen before. And a lot of that comes from actually the perspective. So at the heart of Rogue, the feature is these two female characters. We have Elle played by Oyaman. And then there's a character named Elizabeth um, who uh, was played in our short film by Kelsey Brinkman, who did a wonderful job. So for me, it was mostly about showing women and women that we don't often see in Westerns. And so I do like to let the story and the characters speak for themselves in terms of their experience. So yeah, maybe, maybe following in Shakespeare's footsteps on that. But uh, yeah, for me, again, it was about kind of showing a perspective we don't often get to see in Westerns uh, with Al. Mm-hmm. Now we, we talked about Rogue, you know, quite a long time ago. I think it was like a year and a half ago. You know, what inspired 
this film because you 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 had it right in mind after you you had your other film done um and you were like you were you were headset ready for it uh, what inspired this film for you for both of you and it, I wrote the first draft of this script, I'm not exaggerating, 10 years ago. So it's been, it's just been a project that's been with me for a long time, but it's wow. gone through lots of revisions and changes. And honestly, it's just one of those projects, and maybe you can relate to this, it just speaks to me on an intuitive, inspirational level. And sometimes I can't even pinpoint why, but I do love Westerns. And I just felt like I love the landscapes. I love the desert. I love the mood of Westerns and how minimal they are um, and right. how you can examine what characters do when there's no law and order. And so, uh, and again, I just feel like there's a lack of female driven Westerns, which is a shame. It's, it's a genre that people pigeonhole as being for men, you know, but it's really not. It's a genre for everybody who likes good stories. So I, it's hard to pinpoint one reason why I wrote it, but I think it's, it's a combination of all those things, uh, loving landscapes, loving uh, good stories, and wanting female stories. Well, when you, when you were working with Richard Brown, which is your cinematographer, was that a, a mindset you had in mind of, of, of the approach you wanted to go towards as large landscapes, maybe towards the, you know, you know, the, the Coen Brothers film or what have you, or the Unforgiven um, were you going towards that direction or did you want a lot of tight shots? What was your approach with your cinematographer? <laughs> Thank you for asking about that. Um, so a lot of, you know, given sort of the budget filmmaking that we're doing, a lot of our interiors are shot on long lenses and closer angles, frankly, because we couldn't show a lot of the space because we're dealing with, you know, <laughs> uh, but, with, but that gave us then an opportunity with our desert shots to go wider and pull back and show more landscape and show more atmosphere. Um, but I, I think it, the, using the long lens and using a lot of close-ups and detail shots in Rogue did fit the story, and it was very intentional. And Rick and I uh, did do a lot of, you know, shot listing and storyboarding conversations, but there was also a lot of improvisation of, oh, that candle looks great, let's get a shot of that, or, oh, this dust on the floor looks really grimy and really good for what we're trying to sell with the atmosphere. So um, right. this movie was very detailed in terms of, the close-ups we got and the details we got. And it's a credit to, again, Sonora and Brie for bringing such wonderful props and set dressing on set that we could show in close-up and it held up extremely well on camera. So, um, yeah, we just, uh, this was a great film visually to work on, I think, for everybody. It has a lot of uh, craft in the palette. Well, for the, for, the, for the people in the know that are listening to right now, what, what, what camera did you use for this film? We used the Panasonic GH5S. Um, really? And uh, we used the Whitelander lenses. Yeah, we, uh, we, Rick and I like to keep the camera simple and small. You know, we, we, and we had two identical cameras. So there were some moments on the film where we were actually shooting two cameras at once, which helped us a lot kind of to move quickly through scenes. But it's a great camera. It does a wonderful low light and, um, yeah, it does. yeah, we, we, and you know, Rick is so wonderful at lighting, and his team, his gaffer, and his grip, just they they did a phenomenal job with their lighting. Well, you know, sometimes people don't realize how important your camera electrical department is is uh, is to a production. I mean, even in photography and what have you, if you don't have good lighting or even great lighting, the, the film is garbage. You know, the, the faces don't pop, the eyes don't pop, the facial expressions are hard to take. Um, how, much of, how much of that 
And you said they were great to work with and, and they did a great job, but how difficult was it to light some of these scenes considering that California is so bright? I mean, it's so like, if, you were, if I were going to use technical terms, it's so hot. It's like the, the lighting is hot. You know what I mean? Everything comes out white. Everything comes out blue, like tungsten lighting. Like how, how was it working with that kind of environment? Uh so I like to shoot things. My, my, my secret sauce, our secret sauce is to shoot in the winter because when you go outside in June and July, you're right. It's just oh, so bright. Natu- it's kind of, yeah. Natural you know, diffusion but it, right there. Well, yeah, exactly. So shooting in, in February, like we did, we got this wonderful low hanging winter sun, at least for the exteriors. And we like to shoot a lot at like sunset and dusk to get those colors, you know, to really show up on camera but for the interior stuff i mean that was just all rick and jordan our gaffer and and jason our grip um and they just they did wonders and i sonora and i like we love that we have our the lighting team because we don't we don't know how to do anything that they do <laughs> so they honestly work with such um I, I don't know how to explain it they just have this like quick communication they're just uh very efficient at what they do and um, managed to work with some very small spaces and some very large spaces with equal skill. Mm-hmm. Right. Sonora, you know, as producer, you're, you're overlooking the entire production. And, you know, you have that eagle eye of what you want to see, what you want to do, your, your pre-production, which your your discussions beforehand. Did this Did this film come out the way you thought it would, better than you thought it would, or within a standard? Um, I think that it really came out the way we thought it would. There were a couple of moments where we had to pivot and create a new set on the fly, but like majority of it is that we were familiar with this location and we had visited it quite a few times, the church especially. And, um, it was built in the early 1920s and they had these amazing windows that kind of looked like watery glass. And that was something we played up as often as we could. And um, I just think from like a production design point of view, Carly and I had quite a few meetings about this and um, I'm a huge believer in Excel. Um, The lists that (laughs) I have are outrageous. (laughs) And so it's also a testament to Bree, who was one of our um, set designers and she she was fantastic, and she and I have worked together for quite a long time, so we kind of speak uh, the same language. So having right. that was huge, and having people um, to help out on set, our set PAs were amazing because we were dealing with a little bit of a, a larger scale this time, and I really needed that extra hands on on set, and that really helped. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Sonora, Sonora Carly, we're, we're, we're going to take a short little break. I hope you don't mind. And I'm going to field some of these calls. So we have some people calling in right now. I want to see who they are. And then uh, we'll be right back in, in three minutes flat. Awesome. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Let's listen to, uh, you know, my favorite song from Sage, which is June. Didn't want to write a love song. Usually these things come out wrong. But you've been up in my head all day long And now I'm all gone, yeah Didn't know we end up this way Keeping memories on replay Yeah, 
Gotta love Sage. Go find her on, on Instagram. Go find her on TikTok. You know, go find her on YouTube. She does look quite different than she did when she was on the show. Uh, but what I love about her is that she does change. She adapts her environment. And, uh, I mean, just really wonderful music. Let's bring, let's bring the girls back on. All right. So we were, we were discussing the production of the film. Uh, we're discussing a lot of things about, the, especially the, I would say the constraints <laughs> of working in, in California, <laughs> what have you. Were there other states that you were planning on working on or working with that didn't work out? Um, did you say states? Yes, states like Montana, Texas, anything like that, or even oh, cities that okay. you wanted to work with that you, it just was not going to work out. Not for the proof of concept. We were really happy to stay in the California area. Um, but Carly and I have taken a few road trips, and she's also done some travel with her sister. And they always take these amazing pictures of the American Southwest. And so there was some inspiration that came from that landscape. 
that we would like right. to explore in the future. But I think for the proof of concept, we already had such great inspiration from the desert that is honestly just an hour drive from pretty much anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're really happy to, to stay in the Southern California area. And it also worked really well for our cast and crew. Right. Um, and and we, have great taco, we have great tacos out here, too. So it's just... <laughs> honestly, the main reason. <laughs> it's, the main, it's the main. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I'm like, "Do you want to go get tacos?" And they're like, "You got you Californians in your tacos. Like, what, what is that all about?" I'm like, "Have you ever eaten a taco?" Don't don't hate the players. <laughs> I just hate the game. Like seriously, like you don't like a taco? Who doesn't like a like a like tortilla wrapped in meat and cheese and cilantro? Seriously. <laughs> so. General, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. I can die on that. I mean, so you know, I can die on sushi. I can die on pho, but tacos is that little special. You know, it's like McDonald's when you're like 12. It's like oh, this is the <laughs> best thing ever. <laughs> this is the best thing ever. Okay, so so we're you know, Sonora. This question is for you specifically, but Carly. Please, I mean, it's not like you're not in charge. I mean, you're 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 100 in charge of everything. But Sonora, as, as a producer on the film, and, you know, when you, we've had a lot of accidents happen in, mm-hmm. in productions mm-hmm. throughout, throughout the years. And not, not discussing the, the recent problem we've had on production. We had gigantic production issues and accidents, like on The Dark Knight and um, <laughs> Resident Evil. We've had some gigantic like big problems having. Did, did you did you feel that kind of pressure? Both of you, did you feel that kind of pressure doing this film that you were 100% responsible for your cast and crew? Um, well, we always go into a production with our cast and crew in mind. Um, and also, as far as with production and some of the props that we have, and also just the sets and the lighting elements, there's so many things that we have to be aware of, but I know going into it, we typically like to have safety meetings and talk about what's going to be on set, what is allowed on set, what's not allowed on set. Um, and Bree and I also kept all of our props and all of the extra design that wasn't going to be seen on camera off in a secure location. And there was double checks and triple checks and a lot of conversation had between us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's definitely always on our mind, and we love the idea that people can go to work knowing that it's going to be a safe environment because we did our jobs and we were thinking of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I couldn't agree more. That was all perfectly said. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a very, very, very important question. How was the craft services? <laughs> oh, my God. Our- We do a big Costco run before and bring back all the good stuff. And we also always have a constant supply of coffee. (laughs) Yes. I think everyone comes away from that. (laughs) Yeah. And also the best Trader Joe's. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have like a pirate's booty like bay over there? We had like goldfish. We had uh, gummy, the the typical gummies that everyone talks about on craft services. We had uh, like... Gosh, it's hard for me to remember. Lots of cliff bars, you know, keep you going. Mm-hmm. Lots of Starbucks. Right. Uh, well, you know, I, we, I started we, off my, my I started off my career as a location manager when I was 17 years old, 
And I worked on gigantic productions. And, you know, for me, it was always the Red Vines. Red Vines, <laughs> is, to, to, to me is, like, it, it is a staple of any – if you don't have Red Vines, I mean, you're a rookie. <laughs> for me, oh, you know what I mean? Cool. Like, what's going on? You didn't have Red Vines, did you? No. <laughs> so in the time of COVID, <laughs> unfortunately, it's not, it's not, you, say, you, say, you sound like a, like a narrator for a film. In the time of COVID. <laughs> I, I feel like I could narrate this whole great pandemic over here. But actually, one of our big things for, kind of for um, Crafty was we had like a specific area where people could go and eat and drink. Right. And so we were huge on the social distancing. And there were a few snacks that we were sad about because we couldn't have them because it wasn't everyone reaching to the same. You know, yeah. Right, like, right. Yeah, it was hilarious. So you would you'd go see like uh, typically like someone who was busy like all the time, like Bree. You know, she would be off in like a corner, like just trying really quickly to get a little bit of water or <laughs> yeah. some coffee. And <laughs> I had we had Pete's coffee too. Yeah. Oh, we talked about we talked about meeting up at Pete's Coffee and having a conversation, didn't we? A long time ago. Oh. Hmm. Yep. That and um. What else did we have? Yeah. Well, when good. our first conver- when our first conversation when, when you mentioned Pete's, I'm like, I, I used to go to Pete's uh, or not Pete's, but Priscilla's. I used to go to Priscilla's all the time. Uh, so that's your, oh. that's where you go ahead. I said we love Priscilla's. <laughs> oh, Priscilla's is fantastic. I would either get an orange juice, you know, where they have on their side, or their coffee, which is, I'll be honest, a little bitter. It's just a little bitter for me, but it's so fantastic. It, it, you know what? It folds really well. <laughs> that bitter <laughs> Actually, I think they have a really good, like, kind of, like, undertone of a blueberry mm-hmm. taste to their... <laughs> I think we'd be the most obnoxious wine tasters on the planet Earth. You know, I, I feel a taste of iron and uh, blood, <laughs> sweat and tears. It's it's honestly like a one extreme to another. I either be the most pretentious on purpose, or I'd be like, yeah, it tastes like grapes. And, <laughs> yeah, it tastes, it, it, wine, it, tastes, like it tastes like the the tears of crying children. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> I know, right? Sarah, I'm, I'm going to be. You know, I, I know you can appreciate dark humor, but you know, to, to bring down the pandemic. Um, it reminded me a lot of when my father passed away. I mean, there were so many people asking me like the strangest questions, like, how does it feel or how are you doing? It's like, how do you think I'm doing? And <laughs> I remember like one of the last, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, how do you, how do you think I'm gripping guy? Um, <laughs> not well. And I remember the last person who asked me, they're, they're like, you know, how are you doing? And I'm like, you know, this is just mostly inconvenient. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and that's how I describe the like the pandemic right now. It's like it's mostly inconvenient. You know, I mean it's right. bad. It's bad, but it's mostly inconvenient. I went to uh, I think Albertsons, you know, a couple couple days ago. There's a there's a person in the um in the gro- not the grocery section, but the what would you call that? The you know where all the greens are and all the apples and and Yeah, yeah uh, fruits and vegetables. Yeah, and, and this person was didn't have a mask on was coughing into their hand and then grabbing like this, right? It reminds me of like curb your enthusiasm. It was like, 
They gave me a cough in the hand and a shake. Who does that? A cough in the hand and a shake? Like, no. <laughs> you know? So they're doing a cough in their hand and then a grab for, like, produce. I'm like, this, I mean, see, this is, this is why we can't have nice things. I was going to say, honestly, whether pandemic or not pandemic, I don't, don't do that anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pandemic, no pandemic. Please don't do this. This is the. Uh, I, I think this my is, favorite thing that I want to carry into post pandemic when we get there is um, I don't care if you're feeling well or not feeling well. If you could just stay six feet away from me at all times, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> you know, that's going to come in very handy with dates. Like, do you mind staying six feet away from me and let's go from there? <laughs> That's honestly, I'm like, I am a charming lady. Also, go away. (laughs) You know, thank you for dinner. Stay six feet away from me, and uh, and we'll be good. We'll be very, (laughs) we'll be very nice. (laughs) Exactly. Tables the whole time. (laughs) Hey, would you do me a favor and sit at that other table, and then we'll order food and we'll just talk across from this table. Absolutely. That sounds ideal. <laughs> <laughs> that does. Especially in L.A. It's like I heard somebody last night was talking about dating in L.A. And I'm like, we do that? We <laughs> date in L.A.? I, I, I didn't know that was a thing out here. That's that's strange. I thought it was it's a new coffee drinks. Like, it's just a work meeting at that point, right? Always. It's always unclear. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an interview. So do you have any problems in your life? How are your how's your economic stat? What's your what's your credit score? No. <laughs> well, those are great. I mean, I'll be honest; those are great questions because you want to know if somebody's fiscally responsible. It's like, like, hey, come on, like, are you irresponsible? Yeah. Are you, you know, do you just buy clothing because you feel like you could? Um, but go, going back to going back to the filmmaking and, and going back to the basics of the cameras in which you used, was that important for you to like really think about like the Kubrick perspective of using cameras that were more old fashioned, were more um, down to earth, as I would say, instead of gra- grabbing like a red camera or a or a black magic? Was was, mm. was that your intention, or, or was it just happenstance? I would say a little bit of both. I mean, in terms of the budget, I usually like to allocate budget toward things like production design and lighting over the camera package. And the reason being because I think with good lighting and good set direction, um, I think you can get by and not only get by, like excel with a very basic camera kit. And between my, my cinematographer, Rick Satoru, and myself, we own so many different, you know, lenses and, and filters and little bits of lighting. And so I felt like, look, we already own pretty good camera packages. Let's use what we have and allocate the other, the, the rest of that budget to something else that's going to show up, you know, in other ways. Um, right. And so uh, I want to just uh, take a moment too to acknowledge uh, a collaborator we haven't talked much about, Shauna Thompson, who just wore, again, wore like three or four hats on set. She was one of our producers, and she also managed the costumes. Um, she was a huge part of how uh, the movie looked because, like well, I said, did Shauna Thompson do the music as well? She did. She's truly multi-talented and um, has such a knack for not only music, but like I said, the costume design of the film. She helped, you know, pick out the, the coats and the hats and the scars that the guys wore, and then also helped me uh, pick out what the women wore on camera, and then managed it all as we were shooting and. 
kept everything very organized on costume racks. And so, again, you know, taking it back to like the budget, I like to allocate budget toward those things and keep the camera package a little bit more simple. Obviously, if we had, you know, Hollywood money, we would get the best camera package we could. But given the constraints, I think I like to redirect resources a little bit. Um, But I also want to mention our colorist, Andrew McCarty. Um, He did a phenomenal job taking the footage from the GH5S. And he actually, I was there with him during a lot of the color sessions, and he applied a a very fine grain filter to everything that gives it a little bit of an old film quality. So um, just he he did just such a phenomenal job doing the color. It's a very underrated part of the process. But um, I think a large, yeah, a large part of why the movie looks the way it does is, is his talents as well. Well, every single film, you know, for the audience out there, every single film, every single TV show, especially they use the Desi Arnaz three cameras sequence, there's mm-hmm. always a, a colorist. I mean, you have to have everything consistent from scene to scene. Um, when, when the product comes out, it's usually raw, which means it's, a, it's more gray, like gray tones. So you need to bring it up, pop the colors and what have you. Now, you you were Carly. You were the editor of this film. I'm sure you. you mm-hmm. I mean, Sonora. I'm mean, I'm more than positive. You've seen like 15 versions or a hundred <laughs> versions yeah. of of this film, right? It's like I hate this thing. Like, get it over with. <laughs> you know, and thank God it was not like Lord of the Rings because that would have been like three and a half oh, hours sorry. of like. Like did oh, like how how it's, it's, it reminds me of almost like a fifteen year old looking at their girlfriend like you know trying a different dress on. It's like, am I seeing something different? Like, is this different? <laughs> you, know what, you know what I mean? Is, it, is there something different here that that I'm not seeing? Uh, <laughs> did you have that experience? Well, 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 I'm pretty sure you did. While while editing this film, did you go through so many edits of this film that it was almost like I, I almost don't even know where to stop. No, like the edit of the, there were some very tricky things about editing this film. And one of them is there's a, there's a pretty significant montage in the middle of the movie that's maybe about three minutes long. And I think that was one of the most challenging parts from an editing perspective. But um, honestly, this, it did go through several iterations and there were a lot of, you know, watching through sessions with Sonora and with the rest of the team. But I wouldn't say it was that kind of grueling, log that sometimes post-production can be. And I think it's because we were very diligent about getting our coverage and we had a lot of good angles and performances to choose from. So at the end of the day, the edit came together pretty smoothly. And I know that <laughs> that may sound unbelievable, but uh, it's just a testament to, like I said, the coverage we got, how good the performances were. But uh, that being said, yes, we've each watched the movie like a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> a slightly different element. Mm-hmm. Do you know how difficult it is to edit together a trailer for a short film? <laughs> I know, <laughs> I right? That, oh, that has <laughs> been probably more discussion back and forth than the actual edit for the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Was it's just like, like, that's the film. That's the entire film we just did in a, a trailer. Right. Well, especially with the proof of concept, I mean, the whole point of that is basically to be like this long extended trailer for the feature. And so we're like, we're making a, a trailer a, for a trailer. A trailer for a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> a trailer for a trailer. So. Well, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I created, directed, produced and, and filmed my, my own film war baby. And, and when I, when I did the trailer, 
you know, I already had what I wanted in mind for the trailer, but the only issue I had was the, the trailer was so kind of vague, like of what, what mm. the content was. Like I almost had to, like the, people love the imagery and the music and, and what it was saying, but they're, they're like, exactly what am I watching? <laughs> exactly what is this? Like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing things and I like it, but what exactly am I seeing and, and why? Did, did you have that issue with, with making a trailer as well? Um, I feel like there were some mixed mixed reactions. Some people who were familiar with the movie felt like it was totally fine. And then there were some people who were familiar with the concept, but not with the entire proof of concept, who were a little bit like, what's going on and who is that? But they all agreed that they're like, it looks interesting. We want to see it, which I'm like, well, technically right. that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. So, but I really, we've nailed it and it, we both feel really good about it. Yeah. So you're both you're both very happy. You're both very happy with the finished product. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So how long do you think your road's going to be until you move on to your next project, which is the next discussion I want to have with you? How long do you think you'll you'll be pushing this film before you're you know because a lot of people like let's just say you know that are deeper in the the Hollywood machine really don't have the luxury of pushing a film for very long. You know, it's an interesting question. We are, we're still pretty early in our festival run with, with Rogue, and our, our intention, of course, is to make the feature. But um, as you probably know, there are no hard and fast rules about how any of this pans out. So our goal right now is to really just start conversations, you know, sit down with producers and share with them that we have a feature of this, of this, uh, this film and also to show, like, hey, we've had a successful festival run you know, we're interested in, in getting financing to make a longer project. Um, as far as other films in mind, we have written a, a horror short film slash featurette uh, called La Paz. And um, that one, we, we've written the script. We don't have any uh, pre-production going on for it, but it's a project that I think Sonora and I both really enjoy. And uh, we haven't done the horror genre before, so this one is, kind of appealing to us for that reason. Um, and, you know, we all we always have other projects in, that we're working on in the background as well. And so, you know, we can, like to keep things pretty open-ended to, like, you know, who are we going to meet? What kind of conversations are we going to have? We, we just love making films and hope to continue doing so. Did you, did you call it La Cause? <laughs> um, La Paz, like, you know, the piece. <laughs> oh, La Paz. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah, like the like like, like the peas idiot. <laughs> um, <laughs> can you can you tell us anything about that film? Um, yes, you know, let me just back up and say that um, Carly has this thing where she loves to um, torture me. I think <laughs> by going out in the desert, making films in the desert, and I'm like, why are we here again? There's so much. And it's so hot, and um, this is odd. Love this for me. And so, yeah, we're going back out to the desert to film this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but it's, oh my God. yeah, it's just about, yeah, it's about um, these two women who go out to the desert. They're actually on a location scout. Um, and they run into some strange happenings out in the desert. Mm-hmm. And basically... Uh, it's just a short about them 
trying to figure out what's going on and how to get out of there safely. So mm-hmm. kind of a typical thriller. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that sounds uh, typical. And, that sounds typical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horror story in the middle of the desert. I, I, I've seen that so many times before. That's so passe. <laughs> Aren't all horror films like in, in, in houses now? I mean, I, I've seen like literally 50 films of, of horror. Even a Halloween was based purely on a house. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, but your film sounds I mean, like a, mes- a masculine like horror story. Uh, you know what? That's a really good point. I don't think it really is. Why did we choose that? I think it was, oh, I know why we chose that title. It was, there was actually this road out in the desert that was called that. And when we looked down that road, we were like, yeah, that looks like where bad things happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, think all, I think all things great start from that point of view. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like two idiots going like, hey, let's do mushrooms and go out to the desert. It's like, no. You oh should write. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like wow, yeah. <laughs> so would I. So would I. <laughs> I, I. I wrote a I wrote a film uh, about uh, t- like uh, two cousins who meet each other in, in a Sicilian uh, funeral, and they uh, do drugs together, and it's their it's like their journey across the entire country to to bring their their grandma's ashes to a to a, a certain place, <laughs> and it's like that sounds like a horror story. I mean, if it wasn't a comedy. It sounds like a horror story. Like, yeah, let's do right. let's do let's do drugs in the middle of nowhere, and yeah, that won't that won't be scary at all. <laughs> Yikes! I honestly <laughs> feel like if you in the middle of nowhere, you feel like you're on drugs anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah, we will say La Paz doesn't have any drugs, but we do deal with a bit of a cult mm-hmm. uh, out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Which so is basically a drug. Yeah. You're not wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> Cults are essentially a drug. It does feed into that same kind of brain perspective to where you are getting that high, you are getting that low, you are getting that dri- that driving passion to continue on, even though it tells you not to instinctually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the so, desert. So, you know, bringing it all back around. <laughs> so you're, you're able to both get a great film and also punish Sonora for whatever reason you have in your mind. <laughs> That always has to be part of it. Um, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. The, the script is, I, it kind of sounds weird, but it's like a lot of fun while also being really scary, I think. So right. uh, we like dark humor in our scripts. So this film, La Paz, definitely features a lot of dark humor. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, so go back to, to, to Rogue. So it basically is, it is an, what we call an EPK or a, a production manifest where you're, creating an outline to producers of, of, of selling a bigger film or a proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is, it is like a, like a proof of concept. I, the goal was to make it a standalone. It is a standalone film. Like you can watch the film beginning to end and it tells a story, but it's also, it asks some questions and leaves it open-ended so that people are intrigued in, you know, the idea of the feature film. Hmm. That's awesome. You know, it, it you know, before we move on, because we're, we're kind of running out of time, but, you know, there was a short film on YouTube about, you know, the day, it be, the day being a black man in America. And it was like a Groundhog's Day where each day was a little different. And uh, each day he ended up being killed by the police officer. He 
because he was pulled over by the cops. And it was, it's a comedy, which is very strange. Oh. But it, it, like, yeah, it hits you right in the face. Uh, but it's, it's hilarious. And then they made a movie on Netflix based on that exact concept. Hmm. Like almost, almost, it was so weird to see that happen. Hmm. Have you ever been afraid that that, that would happen to you? That people would be like, you know what? I mean, even Steven Spielberg has stolen certain ideas. I mean, I don't think anybody, you know, I remember when UCLA Film School, I was talking to one of, one of his uh, uh, writers as well. I mean, I was in a class. But he was saying, like, you know, even he doesn't know where he takes some of his production or some of his ideas from like in the film Amistad is, is the film we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Did you, do you ever have that kind of fear with your, with your own writing, with your own production, or do you just go in willy nilly? Um, because Rogue is so atmospheric and so like meditative and I wouldn't call it like a high concept where it's like easy to kind of take the concept and run with it. I'm not too concerned about anyone doing something similar, but you know, based on what I understand of, of things. But uh, I think there are some other concepts I personally have written that sometimes I get worried, like someone's going to do something similar. But honestly, I, I don't think about it too much. Okay. Well, you know, I really enjoyed talking to you about these films here. I do want to ask some, some, some questions here for both of you, for some of our listeners. You know, it, these things are difficult to get done. Films, production, finding people, grouping up, finding people that's really great to work with. What, what are you looking for in a cast and crew that you would spend 8, 10, 12, 18 hours with them? What are you looking for in a person? Um, I'll answer it and then Sonora can answer too. But really, it's, it's exactly what you said. People I want to hang out with for 12 hours a day, sometimes much longer than that. Just, you know, people who listen well, who communicate well, who are team players, and who are very talented and gifted at what they do. I mean, everyone brings something different to the table, which is a great thing because we need that diverse set of talents and abilities. So morale is very important to us as producers that everyone is, like I said, like a team player um, and has a good attitude and get, and also gets what we're trying to do, like gets our story and our, um, our theme. Yeah. So anything to add or. <laughs> I mean, I really think that you, you covered it all. I would, I would add to like, there's just finding people with good character. Um, and luckily I just, I find that Carly specifically has, such good character and has a wonderful personality and, and a really great mind. And so I feel like she attracts those kinds of people as well. So the team that she is able to bring together, we honestly have just the best time. And also they have this perspective, like kind of the magic of movie making. And I find that everyone who we've ever collaborated with, they really bring this belief that, what they're doing is just so exciting and they love to be there. And it's not just like, Oh, it's just a job that I'm doing. Like they are so excited to be a part of something bigger and something better. And they always bring a really wonderful element to that. And we've just been really blessed to work with fantastic people who always fit that bill, you know? Right. Passion is very, passion is very important for, for a, a project. For sure. Yeah. And for for Nick, if you're if you're listening, I would also recommend that you uh, speak in that English accent and shine those uh, 
those baby blues. Uh, that would make my production if we were working together very well, very fantastic. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> Nick's going to be like, who is this dude? Uh, <laughs> this guy asking me out or something? Um, so so we, we talked about a lot, about a lot of different things, the film, the production, cameras, your, your cast, your crew, craft services. Um, we have a lot of people listening right now that are in countries and states and different places and around the world that quite honestly do not know how to make a movie. They have no confidence, I would say, even though it is the iPhone era. And if you have a, if you have a concept and an iPhone, you can make anything happen, but let's just say they're stuck in a rut and they really can't, they're really not inspired. What would you what would you say to those people? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. You know, I I think I've been talking a lot with some friends of mine about like what it takes to achieve goals. And I think one of the really tangible pieces of advice I have is to write down the first step that will take you toward that goal. Whether that's having a meeting with someone, whether that's writing down a schedule, whether that's sending that email that you've been meaning to send. Like I think it's all well and good to have nebulous objectives like, oh, I want to make a movie, but that's so broad that it can be overwhelming. So I think start with the baby steps, start with that first meeting, start with, like Sonora said, the Excel spreadsheet that you (laughs) type in that first item on the spreadsheet. And once you break down your goals into very doable baby steps, I think the whole thing becomes a lot easier to to think about. Um, And also just, you know, think about your resources. Don't shoot for something that is going to cost you way too much money or be way too difficult to to manage. Like, don't write that car chase scene, you know, (laughs) write something that you can realistically film and that'll help you a lot. That's funny. That's funny that you said that, you know, because a lot of times, like even for for myself, we we made an action film and we had a car chase scene and we just cut that thing right out. It it was so much, it was so much money, but it, it sounds great in your head. Yeah, I think one of the, you know, if if you can't get that out of your mind, grab a friend or your writing buddy, go for a drive and talk out that scene, how you think it would play out. So you can get those creative juices flowing and then go back to a coffee shop or to someone's living room and be intentional with the details and then be realistic with what's in front of you. Because I think when we take on projects that are perhaps a little bit too big, um, you feel like you're drowning in the opportunity, but not being able to fulfill that vision. And I think it's important to um, be realistic and also fall in love with the details and be inspired by what you can do, because what you can do, you'll do very well. And you'll be proud of that. Mm -hmm. Well, Sonora, you know, I, I think we both understand what it's like to be riding with somebody so driven like, like Carly mm-hmm. and what have you and being the, being a director. And, and I know that you're part of every step that it that takes, but to a certain extent, you need to concede your own ideas to somebody who has pretty much their own, their own kind of driven, you know, North direction and what have you. What, what is it? What recommendation or what kind of advice would you give to somebody else's about the ego of being, let's just say second in command or following somebody <laughs> else's dream? Um, honestly, I'd probably be the worst person to ask because I've never really had to experience that where I was dissatisfied with 
the collaboration with Carly, I think one of the, my favorite things that we do is I typically like to put an outline together for a story with some details that perhaps I find important to me. Um, and, and maybe some lines that I'm like, I think this would be funny if we could put this in here. And I basically just word vomit onto a page and then I send it to her and I'm like, go please. <laughs> like, we've talked about this. Can you, can you format this into a script and then make it magical and wonderful? And that seems to work really well for us. And if there is anything that um, perhaps gets left out, or maybe it's something I think of after the fact, I feel 100% comfortable giving her a call or texting her, sending her an email and being like, oh, hey, could we try this on page 15 or mm -hmm. whatever it is? Like, I just, being comfortable with your collaborator is really important because I don't ever feel silly asking questions or suggesting anything. Mm -hmm. And because I feel comfortable and I trust her, I don't, I don't take anything personally when she says, oh, I don't, I don't know if that'll work. Mm -hmm. But right. she never right, says, no, we can't do that because she's, Carly is one of the best that, saying like oh I never I haven't thought of that let's let's give that a try even if she might be thinking oh, probably isn't gonna work but she's always like hey you never know you know right right you know it's funny you, you started off the comment with uh, I've never really had that experience but you 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 made a preemptive strike so you don't have that experience where you were saying listen That's the true. soup needs you're right the soup needs celery mm -hmm. potatoes and carrots as long as we have this element involved in the soup, it's it's going to be fantastic. And by the way, garlic and salt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but, but we, we need these three elements in this film. And as long as we have that, I'm, a, I'm going to be happy. And if we need some more salt, if we need some more pepper, um, then I'll discuss it with you later on. Is, is that what mm -hmm. you're saying? I think so. And I mean... The truth is, is that I don't think I've ever been a part of a project with Carly where she was 100% in charge and making all the decisions and vice versa. I've never been a part of a project where I'm 100% making all the decisions and in charge. And that brings a lot of joy to what we do because I never feel this overwhelming pressure to make things happen on my own. I know that I'm always going to have a good experience. And getting to collaborate with other people who are probably far smarter and have way more experience and understanding, I, I just think that it, it makes things way more fun. And right. I think it's because we, like Sonora said, we're truly collaborators and um, I, there are no bad ideas on set. Like, I want to hear ideas from absolutely everyone. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like, everyone, everyone to taste the soup and say, oh, this needs more salt here, this needs more of that here. It's like, right. it's... To me, I don't get it as like a top-down thing at all. It's, it's highly collaborative, and um, everyone is essential on set. And so, yeah, it's it's always like a, I always turn to people and go, what do you think of this? Are you happy with this? Does this feel true to the characters? Does this feel true to you? And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's just – it's been a great process. This is our, <laughs> what, fourth film stayed together? I've lost count. I don't know. This is your fourth film together. Fourth film. But let me, let me ask you a question. You, you, go ahead. I said, oh, I'm so glad someone is keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm keeping track. This is your fourth film together. And, and the, desert, the desert horror film will be your fifth film together. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I want to go back on what you said just for a second here. You said there are no stupid ideas 
on film, which I believe is a lie. Have you, have you, have you, (laughs) right? I mean, come on. Have you ever, has anybody ever said something to you on a film where you're like, you know, I'm going to keep that in mind. And in your brain, you're like, that's kind of a stupid idea. (laughs) I mean, come on. Like we've all had that experience at least once. true um although i don't think i've ever that on one of our sets and i don't right. you know i don't want to talk to Anna about anything but you know going back oh no to don't talk about anybody like, don't talk about anybody specific i mean please don't do that i mean you, you don't need to call anybody out but but we i think we've all had the experience where somebody says something and you're like you know what i know i said there are no stupid ideas but that's an exception to the rule <laughs> i mean <laughs> Have that, but I will keep that in mind because that's a really funny response. <laughs> <laughs> there are no stupid yeah. ideas, but you know what? This is the first time for everything. Thank you so much for that. I'll keep it in mind, and I'm going to drink wine as I think about that later on. You are truly excelling at this. Well done. I will make note of that. Bye. <laughs> you know what? Not only did you have a stupid idea, but you exceeded at it. So I give you props on that one. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, gosh. I can't even. So, so, go ahead. No, what are you saying? You can't even what? Oh, I was saying I can't even imagine being in that, 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 uh, that situation. Yeah. I, I kind of feel well, like it's, you know, when you get a head start, you're like, what do I do with that? Well, I, I, I was, I was doing a film. This, this guy came in with his own rewritten dialogue, uh, for the oh, film. No. Yeah, and scene direction. And the director oh, looked right in the face. Yes, like he rewrote his own character without any discussion with anybody else. And everybody looked at him like, are you a sociopath? Like, what's happening right now? Like, what, what, what's it? Like, like, there are no stupid ideas, but, like, this is a pretty dumb movement. Like, this is like, you know, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get what you're doing. Like, have you ever been, have you ever been in a film before? This is not how it works. No, it is not. Wow. No. No. What do you think, Carl? I said I wouldn't know what to do with that. I yeah, I'm I'm stumped on that one. (laughs) You you know what you know what the director did. Director did said, listen, let's let's do my version first, and we'll do your version second, and then we'll discuss it down the road. I was like, wow, that's very political. Very clever. Yeah, it was very clever. He didn't want to have. It was in a very isolated area, so he didn't want to have a confrontation. But he was very savvy with 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 politics, which I got to be honest, I, I don't know. I, like I like you said, I don't know how I'd handle that situation myself. So you know, there, there, let me let me give you a hypothetical. So there's two young females, and specifically females, out there in the country, out there in the world that see your films, listen to you right now, and are inspired. And they want to get somewhere close to where you are now. Is there something that you would say to them that just to get their, the lead out of their feet or just to motivate them or just to move them just a little bit forward towards the finish line? Um, I mean, I guess it's, it's specifically for women, I think it's, for me, it's easy sometimes to look at the list of quote unquote great directors and see a list of men. And that is, that's definitely the case with film is it's been very male dominated, but I would say that the times are changing Um, more and more content and films and TV shows are being written and directed and produced by women. 
and that you have, if you know, you're a woman out there, like you have a story to tell, go tell it. And don't worry about the fact that there isn't, hasn't been a lot of precedent set in film history for you. You can set that precedent now. And that if you ever do want to reach out and ask us questions, that's awesome. You can find us on Instagram or um, at EAC film, Eagle and child productions is our uh, production company. And like, uh, yeah, reach out to us. We're happy to talk, give you advice. Um, yeah, I just say go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, you you uh, I, you what? I what? <laughs> oh no, I was I was gonna say I completely agree with what Carly said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love when people do that. They're like, you know what? I agree. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I remember giving like really these great speeches, and like somebody would come up uh, behind me and they go like, you know what? Ditto. Like, no, you can't do a ditto. I think I've watched too much Curb Your Enthusiasm the past couple weeks. Like, you can't do a ditto. This is not a ditto moment. <laughs> I think Curb put out a lot of great advice, and people who are taking notes are still writing, so I'm going to give them that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I, I, you know, you're 100% correct. You know, not that I would disagree with my guests, I'll be honest with you, but. You know, it, it is difficult when you see a male dominant field like directing or even producing where you where as a female, you're coming up and you're like, wow, it's I mean, like I'm inspired by Quentin Tarantino and Scorsese and Coppola. And it, it's difficult to come up with a lot of female names. And when you look at people like Natalie Portman, who, who did not want to do the second Thor film. Because the, the the director of Wonder Woman was originally attached, and then when she was pushed off the film and she went off and did Wonder Woman, uh, Natalie Portman just you know she just I mean it's not like she just like threw her hands in the wind, but she was she was very very upset. So I I can see that where it's like you know people want to be involved with more women directors because they want to bring up the field of of um, equal playing. Do you feel like that's important to you in your career, or is, is that a, is that a factor you consider when, when making a film that it's it's important to you that you're on equal pl- that you're motivating an equal plane? Um, you mean like is it important to me to be treated equally or to work with more women and prioritize working with no, more no, women? No, no, to, to, like- to, to, to be a common space to to show people like listen, you know we're all women together. This is our, our great product. We need more women in field. We need more women in production. We need more women in directing. Is that something you keep in mind? I mean, I know you said earlier that it's not something you do when you bring a team together. But when you finish mm-hmm. the film, is that an idea? It, you know, it's, I, I'm a big believer in, like, uh, actions speak louder than words, I guess. So I think just by our very nature of being a female-led production, I think that speaks for itself. We don't go out a lot and do a lot of messaging that's very overt about, hey, women in film, but we also don't shy away from those things either. So again, I just, I just think that like, we like to have our films and our work speak for itself and right. show up at these events and not make a big deal out of being female filmmakers, just showing up and being like, here we are, this is who we are. And these are, these are the kind of projects we make and these are the kind of people we work with. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, I'm a big believer in like showing, not telling. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. You know, 
thank you so much for being on the show today. It was really a pleasure to have you on. I, you know, I loved meeting you guys, at, you know, in Arizona. And I was always fascinated with, with your careers and, you know, where you'd be in, in 10 to 20 years. And I still am. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to your next projects and how this, how this project pans out. And hopefully I can go out there and see it. Like I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you really, too, are you know, amazing human beings. And uh, I do appreciate you being on the show. How can people find you or reach out to you? I, I know, Sonora, you mentioned that earlier, but how can people reach out to you and talk to you or come out and see your films? Like, what, what are your social media contacts? Thank you for asking that. And it's also, we so enjoyed being on your show today. Thank you for asking such insightful questions. Um, so the best way to find us is through our Instagram, and it's at EAC Film, and that's Eagle and Child. The EAC stands for Eagle and Child Productions, which is our production company. Um, we're pretty active on social media. And as well, when you go on EAC Film, it's linked to Sonora's account and my account as well. And so if you want to reach out to us individually, you can find us there. Uh, we also have an IMDb page, and our films all have IMDb pages. Um, but again, if you want to keep up with festival news, uh, Instagram is probably the best way to do that. So go ahead and give us a follow if you haven't already. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question before we leave, but why Eagle and Child? Where, where, where does that name come from? That's a very good question. Um, so I'm a huge C.S. Lewis nerd, and Eagle and Child is the name of the pub in Oxford where Lewis and That's Tolkien what I thought you did it on. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're a bunch of nerds here. We, I, I, we all love Lord of the Rings. I love, you know, and I love yeah. C.S. Lewis. And That's it, where they used to meet up and share their work together. Correct. Yes, correct. A bunch of friends hanging out, talking about writing, and uh, that's yeah. kind of what we do, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you know um, I, I think it was C.S. Yeah, it was C.S. Lewis who um, took J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, uh, first, I think it was The Hobbit, and published it for him. Because he was so in the mix. I just heard this the other day. He was so in the mix and so kind of insecure. And he was keep on rewriting and rewriting it. C.S. Lewis basically went into his house, stole it, and gave it to a publisher. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I may have read that but forgotten it, but that sounds about right. It's incredible how they were reading each other's first drafts of Lord of the Rings and of Narnia and giving each other notes. I can't imagine being in that room and hearing those conversations. But I it, know. I hear about all these writers like in Morocco and in Paris and – and, you know, London and working together at, at, uh, at Oxford. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really inspiring to hear, you know, like even George Lucas and Steven Spielberg is like, what are the chances of them working together? You know, it's just, it's just kind of crazy. So when I see a team like yourself, I often think that it's like, will they be that team? Like in 50 years from now, will they be that team that created these amazing things together? And, and, uh, you know, we were all blessed that they that met, they met each other like Priscilla's probably getting like a coffee. <laughs> I sure hope so. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we'd love to be those people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you're that people too. You know, I, I have a lot of faith in you. So I, I, I do believe you are those people. So uh, we, we will all be following your career, watching what you do next. And we'll be watching Rogue uh, with a, 100% without a doubt. 
And we hope you get everything you want and everything you desire. And thank you so much for being on the show. We really we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. This has been absolutely lovely. Uh, thanks for having us on. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you very much. Let's give you a clap out. Here we go. <laughs> it's been a pleasure Let's have yourself a <laughs> Woo! It's been a pleasure have yourself a great Sunday. <laughs> you too. Thanks. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, that was fantastic, and that was that was inspiring. You know, to to hear them speak, to hear them work together, to from everything from production to to talking about what the elements are needed to make this film to talking about working together and being second in command, the first in command, but really a collaborative perspective to not even be considering your cast and well, I would say my, your crew, but having a, a really a female led crew, they really did keep in mind who would be best to be, in production of this film. We went through a lot of subjects from the film to production, to writing, to location, to what camera they used, to what inspires them, to where they want to go in their lives, to what they would say to young children out there in the world that it inspired to be like them from the Ukraine to Canada, from Spain, from New Zealand to Australia to Russia to Chile. They really spoke to the mass audience of what it takes to be excellent, if not brilliant, filmmakers. I had the pleasure of meeting them at the Sholo Arizona Film Fest. And you can tell that they had the elements and the gravitas to be excellent filmmakers. They worked extremely well together. They fought off some opinionated people in the, in the, uh, in the audience without being overbearing or rude, which quite honestly, I, I probably would be. I think most of us would. But it's interesting to know that they had that in mind of how to be savvy about communication. And it's obvious with the cast and crew that they have right here on Rogue the Western that they had all those things in mind. They, they have all of those elements that it takes to be, like I said, excellent if not brilliant filmmakers. And I look forward to Rogue being a short film slash trailer into a big film, maybe an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, two hours. I'm really looking forward to seeing their future. You can find me on Instagram at Cinemophiles. You can find us on iTunes at Cinemophiles. You can find us on the blog talk link at Cinemophiles. And come listen to Sonora and, and Carly Miller from Eagle and Child Productions. And you heard the birth of that name. That was fantastic. 
Come and listen to them talk again. If you've listened to this, if you've not, go visit them. Go talk to them. Go look at their products. Go look at what they've done. I think you're I think you're gonna see some things to inspire you. I think you're gonna desire to see how their future develops. This whole thing is an amazing process. As you're out there right now, and as you're listening right now, remember that you yourself have those elements of greatness. Try to find that confidence, and if you don't have it now, just fake it. Just fake it until you make it. Make it happen. Make your dreams come true. If the pandemic has shown you anything, life is short. And there's a lot of unexpected elements. Go make your life happen. And if you're not happy, make yourself happy. We were so blessed to have Carly and Sonora from Eagle and Child Productions talking about Rogue the Western. We were so blessed to have them on. Thank you so much for listening to me. My name is Steve Pisa from Cinema Files Radio or Cinema Files. You have yourself a great day and thank you for listening. See you soon. <laughs>